Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. We are firmly opposed to Speaker Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. The Speaker wants to go, she should go. I think that it's important for us to show support for Taiwan. The call that the President had with President Xi. The Communists are threatening us. Whether we are in a recession. Fine recession. Worst flooding in Kentucky's history. The mega millions is mega billion. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Friday's edition of News and Views. And a big question, will Nancy Pelosi stop by Taiwan? She's scheduled to visit several Asian countries. My prediction is she won't say anything at the last minute. She will pass by Taiwan. She will not visit Taiwan. And there'll be some lame brain excuse. There'll be something about she got a cold or they're worried about COVID or it, it will not be because they are fearing the Chicoms. It will be some other made up excuse. Uh, it won't happen until the last minute. They will have an apology saying we were going to do it and it just our scheduling didn't allow it. Blah, 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 blah. So the annual uh, congressional baseball game took place last night, and uh, Republicans won ten to nothing. I'm not sure is there a relationship between the baseball game and then how the midterms turn out. <laughs> I'm sure somebody has studied that. I don't know what the answer to that is, but a lot of Republicans were uh, tweeting over the overnight after the game was over that uh, if you thought this was bad, wait till you see what happens this November. One of the interesting things was the fact that Representative Linda Sanchez from California, so the best she could do was she drew a walk. And the woman is so large that they put a runner in for her. Uh, I'm just saying. So she draws a walk. She goes to first. They put a pinch runner in for her. She's going back to the dugout. And in front of the Republican dugout, she shoots the birds at the Republicans. And uh, she got, as, as, as you would expect, she got a lot of uh, pushback. After the game, Republicans and conservatives called out Sanchez for a display of poor sportsmanship. Representative Linda Sanchez is classic, classless, <laughs> classic too, maybe. Conservative author Nick Adams tweeted, giving the middle finger to the GOP baseball team is hateful and divisive. Sanchez should be banned from all future congressional baseball games and permanently stripped of all committees. California Democrat Representative Linda Sanchez gave the Republican dugout the finger right before her team got body slammed 10 to nothing by the GOP. Uh, This from Newsmax host Benny Johnson Quote, what a nasty, dis- <laughs> what a nasty, disgusting slob. Perfect representation of the modern left. I-, I will say this. Liberals are unhappy people. I- they-, they really are. I mean, I'm a- okay, I'm- is it an overstatement to say that? Yeah, it probably is. But by and large, liberals are unhappy, miserable people, and they want everybody else to be just as miserable as they are. Why would you do that? I mean, this this is truly the only, this is probably the last thing that 
congressional Democrats and Republicans do that actually is somewhat bipartisan. Uh, They're playing for charity in a baseball game. And even then, they've got to pull this stuff. If there wasn't uh, for a low class, there would be no class. News and Observer is reporting abortion is legal in North Carolina, although there's some regulations, but reproductive law in the state could change if the makeup of the legislature changes this fall. You know, there's a lot of focus on Washington, D.C. politics, but there needs to be a lot of focus on North Carolina politics as well. As we have said over the last weeks and months, how important the voting will be for North Carolina Supreme Court justices. But as well, if you're pro-life, you need to pay close attention to who is running for the House and the Senate in the North Carolina legislature. Because if there is a supermajority, there could be very, very conservative legislation put forth when it comes to the pro-life movement. Down in Alabama, they have basically eliminated abortion down there a conservative state. I would say if we had a conservative governor, now we, we don't, but we could have a supermajority in the state legislature and we could have some pretty conservative legislation come forward if that happens. The governor's a Democrat. General Assembly is controlled by Republicans, Tim Moore said earlier this week. And so therefore, Republicans need to have a supermajority if we want to get it by this governor. Now, what's interesting is the governor came out and made comments this week that perhaps we should set up North Carolina as a state, a destination state people can go to to get their abortions. How out of touch is Cooper? Does, I mean, does he think he's Gavin Newsom? Does he think North Carolina is California? Has he taken a look at the state legislature? I mean, he might think he's a Gavin Newsom wannabe, but I hardly think uh, North Carolina is a California wannabe. Both Tim Moore and Senate uh, leader Phil Berger have said that we could see some conservative legislation come forward. Now, they don't want to be dictatorial. They want to talk to their fellow House members and fellow Senate members. Uh, I think it was Phil Berger who said he really wants to talk to the women who uh, hold those seats. But by and large, they lean, both lean pretty heavily towards uh, fairly stringent pro-life measures. Phil Berger said the only exception should be for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. And when you have the life of the mother, you, you didn't make that real clear. We're not talking about quality of life. We're talking about the, the fact, is, is this woman going to live or die based on whether she has this child? Last week, Josh Stein, the attorney general for North Carolina, said his office would not ask a federal judge to reinstate the state's 20-year-old ban on abortion. This is malfeasance. I mean, why wouldn't you go back to the law that was on the books, the most recent law that was on the books 20 years ago, now that, and w- which a judge struck down because of Roe v. Wade, now Roe v. Wade is, is set aside. Why would you not automatically go back to that, that law that was on the books? 
why is the attorney general trying to take the place of the legislature? Uh, Josh, if you want to, if you want to make law, run for office. Otherwise, your job is to make sure that the laws that are passed by the legislature are enforced. That's your job. If you don't like that job, quit and run for the House or the Senate. Those are the folks that make the laws, not you. Cooper signed an executive order in early July protecting abortion access in North Carolina, particularly as it becomes a destination for abortion for those living in states with more restrictive laws. My hope and prayer is we have as restrictive laws in North Carolina as Alabama and any other states that basically want to eliminate abortion except for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. And I think some of these states don't even have rape and incest. And I'm not trying to sound uncompassionate here, but I mean, why would you kill a human being based on what someone else has done? Now, I I know it's a terrible thing, and I know it's a, a critical time, but is that justifiable? I'm just, I'm asking the question, is it justifiable to take the life of an innocent child if you, if you think this baby in the womb is a human being, even, even though conception happened in a tragic, tragic fashion, is it justifiable? We will see, but again, uh, this November's election, everybody's looking at the United States House and the United States Senate, important, but here in North Carolina, the House and the Senate and the judiciary is extremely important. Carolina Journal's reporting on July 27th, Democrat U.S. Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Shucky the Clown Schumer of New York announced they had reached a deal on budget reconciliation. We've talked about that, calling it the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. It's also being referred to as Joe Biden's Build Back Better. The... Um, interesting thing about this bill is the fact I mean, it does a couple of things that is uh, rather mind-boggling and uh, one of the things it does it doesn't just raise revenue to reduce the budget deficit which by the way it won't uh, listen the more uh, the democrats have never learned this you actually generate more money by lowering taxes, not by raising them. I mean, I know you 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 say, well, okay, we'll make them zero. No, but what I'm saying is Democrats just look at, let me grab a hold of as much as I can possibly grab a hold of. And under the Democrats' leadership, it becomes a disincentive to produce. When you lower taxes and when you lower regulations and there's a stronger incentive to produce— the pie becomes bigger. And when you have a smaller slice of a much, much bigger pie, guess what? There's more there. The bill doesn't just raise revenue, try to raise revenue, I should say, to reduce the budget. Uh, this, is, this is from the Democrats. It also includes $369 billion in spending on climate change and green energy. U.S. Senator Brian uh Schatz of Hawaii said the plan would amount to the biggest climate action in history 
and would involve spending on clean energy, clean transportation, energy storage, farming, home electric, uh, electrification, and clean tech. What is clean tech? I mean, they think, hey, you know what? If I just put the word clean in front of it, I can get anything past that I want to get past. Paige Terry Berry, senior analyst for fiscal responsibility and policy at the John Locke Foundation, had concerns about the green energy spending, saying this bill accelerates Biden's war on affordable energy, spending $369 billion to use government's heavy hand to force decarbonization on all sectors of the economy. She says, quote, this wasteful spending is a political move to subsidize green companies while penalizing others. Can you say Solyndra? I mean, this is Solyndra 2.0. I mean, although Solyndra, what was, I'm trying to remember, what, that was like $100 million. We're talking about $369 billion that is going to be earmarked for this, quote, clean energy. Regarding drug price reform, Terry Berry said, the Senate proposal would require government to intervene and set prices for the top 10 most expensive drugs. Look, whatever, I mean, why, why, can these people not learn from history? Whenever you try to control something, I mean, and even Republicans, uh, Nixon and Ford both had this, you know, we're going to whip inflation now by we're going to control prices. We're going to have a government mandate um, coming down and, and telling manufacturers, retailers, what you can charge for certain items. It never works. You can't do it. And quite frankly, if you're going to control what people pay for their drugs, there's going to be a shortage of drugs. It's that simple. President Joe Biden has praised his Build Back Better or his uh, Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, saying if enacted, this legislation will be historic. And I urge the Senate to move on this bill as soon as possible and for the House to follow as well. So we're going to take Joe's word for it, right? <laughs> First of all, Joe doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, secondly, uh, he wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped him across the side of the head. That's not all, though. This might be more scary than the green energy part. The Federalist is reporting this morning if you think that Democrats' tax and spending bill wouldn't expand government, the Federalist says, I've got news for you. This Build Back Better, or the uh, Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, more than doubles the size of the IRS. More than doubles. Right now, as of, well, I, let me put it this way, as of September 30th, 2021, the IRS had 78,661 full-time employees. Under this bill, they would have enough money to hire 86,852 additional employees, agents. Uh, you don't have to be a genius to figure out. If, you, if they're getting this much money, if you think the IRS is bad now, if you think they are a iron fist police state now, just wait. Now, what's interesting about this, as, 
as you, you hear uh, what, what the IRS is, is planning on doing, I mean, the draft bill contains $80 billion investment in the IRS. Of that amount, more than half, over $45 billion, will go towards enforcement activities. I mean, it's right in the bill. $45 billion, $45.6 billion to be exact, toward enforcement activities. Now, what's really interesting, uh, Keith Kidwell, when he did his uh, program, uh, Tax Talk, he and his brother did tax talk on, on the station. If you ever listened to that this last year, you would know right from Keith's own lips that trying to get help at the IRS is near impossible. In other words, when you're doing your taxes and if you've got a question for the IRS and you call up there, good luck. Can't get an answer. Can't get anybody to answer the phone. And yet they want to hire another 86,000 agents at a cost of $45 billion towards enforcement activities. That ought to scare you more than what they're going to spend on green energy. But I will say this, the green energy, just go ahead and take that money and flush it down the toilet. They're going to spend money on electric vehicles. They plan on buying all electrical vehicles for the post office. Uh, if that is true, about a year from now, you can go to your local post office and, and look in the fenced-in yard where they keep the Jeeps, the trucks, uh, and you'll see a lot of them parked and not moving. It's the same situation that um, they, they had with these electric buses. There's, there, they, I promise you there will be all kinds of problems, all kinds of problems. I'm not saying one day we won't have a reliable electrical vehicle. I, I, know, I know Tesla is making but I mean, are you going to buy Tesla cars? <laughs> and, and how are they going to charge these cars? How are they going to charge these trucks? How are they going to charge these electric Jeeps or whatever they buy? They're going to use fossil fuels at the local electrical plant, coal or whatever, to generate the electricity to charge the cars. And uh, it's, it's not only going to be an expense to buy them, it's going to be an expense to charge them. And, uh, and guess what? You're not going to reduce your carbon footprint at all. Hey, lots more to talk about on Friday's edition of News and Views. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. It is July 29th, last weekend of July, and uh, it is National Lasagna Day. Mm, sounds good to me. Taking a look at your weekend weather forecast tonight, thunderstorms likely this evening. Chance of rain is about 70%, low of 76 tonight. Tomorrow morning, you're going to have some clouds in the morning, thunderstorms developing later in the day with a high near 90, a little cooler tomorrow. Chance of rain is 60% tomorrow afternoon into tomorrow night. Sunday morning, a chance of showers. And uh, sometimes we're going to see some heavy rainfall later in the day. So it uh, looks like um, th the rain that we need is going to come in Saturday night through Sunday. Chance of rain on Sunday is 70%. So all in all, uh, a little cooler. And I know it's the weekend. You don't want to rain on you, but... Uh, There'll be showers coming and going both Saturday night and uh, Sunday. 
Uh, talking about the Build Back Better or the uh, Anti-Inflation Act of 2022, whatever the Democrats want to call it, uh, House Republican leadership has come out and said, um, this is out of the Hill and Town Hall, that House Minority Whip Steve Scalise is urging members to vote against the uh, CHIPS legislation. Now, what's interesting about this is already passed the, the Senate, these semiconductor chips, and now it goes to the House. And basically, they feel like Joe Manchin, even though he, he denies it, uh, Republicans feel like Joe Manchin has pulled a fast one, that once the Senate voted on this uh, semiconductor chips legislation was $250 billion, that suddenly Schumer turns around and tells, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Manchin turns around and tells Chucky Schumer that he will get on board with uh, the Build Back Better Anti-Inflation 2022 Act. And, uh, and it ended up passing uh, 64 to 33, which, I mean, it's probably bad legislation anyway. Remember, it started out as $50 billion and it got all the way up to $250 billion. How do you do that in a week? Five times bigger than what you originally said it was going to be? Anyway, Steve Scalise's office and Steve Scalise is saying, look, we're telling Republicans vote no on the semiconductor because combine the semiconductor along with the Build Back Better, and this is like pouring gasoline on a fire in terms of inflation. And he's right. How in the and for them to name this the Anti-Inflation Act of 2022, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, again, I've said this numerous times. Liberals always come up and name their projects or name their bills with the opposite of what they actually are a.k.a. Planned Parenthood, the biggest abortion provider in the world, and they call themselves Planned Parenthood. Um, anyway, it's now you, you look at this and you say to yourself, well, wait a minute, the Republicans don't control the House. Well, what's interesting about this is while that is true, there are progressives, some pretty ardent progressives in the House that feel like the semiconductor package is merely welfare for corporations. They're looking at it as corporate welfare. And to, to a degree, they're, they're correct. I mean, I rarely uh, agree with the super progressives, but to a certain extent, they're right. You know, it's really interesting. Elizabeth Warren, she is constantly belittling Wall Street and corporate America, and yet she voted for the semiconductor $250 billion dollars to be given to these manufacturers of uh, chips, semiconductors. Anyway, uh, yeah, we'll see where this goes. Uh, apparently, apparently, even um, who's the uh, congressman from South Carolina that uh, got behind uh, James Clo- Clo- uh, Clyburn? When asked do he ha- does he have the votes, his answer was, "Well, I hope so." So apparently. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, it, it, it'll be interesting to see, do Republicans get in line? Or are they going to, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's so, so aggravating. And this, again, this is why we need term limits. I know I sound like a broken record, but you're going to have some of these people vote on whether or not it gets them reelected. 
You can tell it is an election year. Why, you ask? Because Joe Biden is going to capitulate to Mark Kelly, the senator from Arizona, and he's actually going to finish up a section of the wall that Donald Trump started in Arizona. There's a gaping hole in Arizona called the Morales Dam area. And uh, apparently people are, illegals are coming through like a sieve through water, water through a sieve, I should say. Mark Kelly, who realizes he's in the race of his life in Arizona, he's, he's up against the wall, and uh, he has been begging Joe Biden, please do something to help my campaign by finishing the section of the wall. And apparently the Biden administration said, okay, we'll get right on it. So he started petitioning for this. In his defense, this isn't just something he's done in the last couple of weeks. He's been petitioning for it since last December, but he has really ratcheted it up in the last few weeks. And Joe Biden knows that he needs a Mark Kelly in the Senate. I mean, right now it's a 50-50 tie. If he wants to continue to control the Senate, he needs every one of the Democrats to that are up for re-election, which Mark Kelly is, he needs to make sure that they win. Now, have no fears. I mean, you, you say to yourself, gee, why did Mark Kelly all of a sudden get for this? It's because he's got an election. I mean, this happens every six years for liberal senators. Every six years, they suddenly realize, and, and again, you know, you always have these debates, is how conservative is America? America is obviously much more conservative than any of the mainstream media or any of these liberal Democrats want you to think. Why? Because when guys like Mark Kelly are suddenly up for re-election, guess what? <laughs> they turn into conservatives, but fear not. If he wins re-election in November, before the Christmas holiday is out, he'll be back to his old liberal self. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they tore down that section of the wall after they built it. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the good news is it has forced the hand, and now they will build that section of the wall. But for any moron out there that actually thinks Marks Kelly has had a come-to-Jesus meeting and he's suddenly conservative, uh, I wouldn't buy that. Matt Gates has... Uh, come out with an interesting uh, prediction on the uh, presidential ticket. This out of Breitbart. Rumors continue to loom about who will lead the Republican 2024 presidential ticket. Many say a Donald Trump and Governor Ron DeSantis bid would be a golden ticket. However, that might just be a pipe dream. In an interview with Breitbart, Representative Matt Gates from Florida dismissed the idea that DeSantis would challenge the former president in a 2024 GOP presidential primary. Quote, I think it's highly unlikely, Gatz said, adding that DeSantis and Trump are on the same side. Expanding on his predictions, Gatz said he thinks DeSantis will see the energy and magnetism Trump has to offer Republican voters in Florida and throughout the United States and decide it would be better for him to run when the former president is no longer in the picture. 
Gates believes that Trump will go after the 2024 presidential ticket. However, he says it's more likely that DeSantis will wait to run in a future campaign in 2028. What I can tell you is these guys are on the same side. I think President Trump really views DeSantis' success with great pride that he took someone who was in Congress and saw that he had a great potential in and nurtured that leadership that Ron DeSantis has now displayed to the world, Gats told Breitbart. He downplayed headlines that accused Trump and DeSantis of ever having been enemies, claiming that the media created those thoughts to find ways of causing disagreements between the two. My expectation is they will both be back in the White House one day. I think Donald Trump will probably be back in the White House in 2024. But for many years, I've held the view that Ron DeSantis will be president one day, and I've seen nothing that would dampen that, Gates said. Gates said. Uh, I, I think there's a good possibility that Matt Gates is correct on that. Um, would Ron DeSantis be his VP? I will say this. Uh, it, it, there would be an interesting ticket. I sort of doubt that he'll be the VP for two reasons. I don't think Ron DeSantis wants to be a VP. A VP is, not, I mean, a lot of people think, oh, I'm vice president, then the next logical step is for me to be president. And that is not always the case. And oftentimes, the person that becomes the vice president becomes irrelevant and disappears and really does not have a stronger... I think Ron DeSantis has a stronger platform to run for president in 2028 as the governor of Florida than he would as the vice president. Just uh, that, my, my political two cents for what it's worth. Speaking of Matt Gates, earlier this week, this is out of the Daily Caller, earlier this week, Florida Representative Matt Gates doubled down that pro-abortion rally protesters are ugly. Fat and ugly, he said. Now, before you get upset, listen to what he said in the context of how he said it. When he said ugly, you can take it either way, but when he said ugly, the context I took it in is what they are doing and wanting to destroy the lives of these children in the womb is extremely ugly. Cut to. Is it safe to say that based off of your comments, you're suggesting that these women at these abortion rallies are ugly and overweight? Yes. What do you say to people who think that those comments are offensive? Be offended. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pretty blunt. <laughs> but again, uh, he said, I find that these people that go out to these pro-abortion, pro-murder rallies odious and just like Ugly on the inside, ugly on the outside. I make no apology for it. I don't believe that every person who disagrees with my perspective on life is an ugly person. But the ones that are out there protesting and marching on Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home, trying to threaten the court, trying to impose a night of rage on a nation's capital, which is what they advertise, that's pure ugliness. I see that ugliness on the inside. I see it on the outside, even in the horrible circumstances where an abortion may happen, it is nothing to celebrate. It is nothing to cheer. I agree with that. And uh, I, I think uh, when you put it in that context, uh, Matt Gates is right. Uh, Washington Free Beacon, along those same lines, mentioned this yesterday. It goes into a little bit more detail. This guy that wanted to uh, shoot and kill Brett Kavanaugh, the guy named N Nicholas Roski from California, apparently he searched on Google 
for the quietest semi-automatic rifle and the most effective place to stab someone before he arrived outside Kavanaugh's home in June, according to an FBI warrant obtained by Fox News. The 26-year-old also said on an online chat forum that he was going to remove some people from the Supreme Court to stop Roe v. Wade from being overturned. I could get at least one which would change the votes for decades to come, he said, and I am for shooting three. Kavanaugh's brush with death came amid efforts from congressional Democrats to stall legislation meant to beef up security for Supreme Court's justices, and they have stalled it. Additional projections for the justices, or protections for the justices were provided promptly after the threat to Kavanaugh's life. Not much, and it was a dragging of the feet. The high court's overturning of Roe v. Wade in June and the leaked draft preceding it prompted a wave of left-wing violence and intimidation. At least 60 crisis pregnancy centers, pro-life pregnancy centers, which counsel women on alternatives to abortion, have been firebombed or vandalized. These people are not about choice. You know, they're talking, oh, yeah, we're, we're all about pro-choice. No, they're not. They're pro-abortion, clear and simple. If they were about choice, they would be wanting to support these pro-life centers. Uh, the, the, to, to call themselves pro-choice is merely a stunt to give them the public perception that they are, they're open-minded and tolerant. They are totally intolerant. If it's not their way, they're going to burn you to the ground. We've got to take a time out. We'll be right back. Gas prices, rising costs, your groceries. Everything is massive inflation, way up. Going through the roof. It's outrageous. Hold on to your wallet. What's coming through your speaker? Information. The latest news and updates. Or your smart device. The conversation right now. This is complete insanity. It's free. There's a lot going on right now. We have to understand what that means. Listen on the TuneIn Radio app and talk 96.3 and 103.7. So if you were listening yesterday, there was a story out and I mentioned, I speculated that the reason why Paul Pelosi sold his shares of that uh, chip maker, NVIDIA, at a loss of something like $360,000 was because, I mean, this guy's worth millions. He, he looked at the situation and said to himself, uh, do I want to spend time in jail or do I want to lose $360,000? I think I'll lose $360,000. That was speculation on my part. Interesting story out of town hall today. Paul Pelosi, husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, sold off approximately $5 million worth of shares in chipmaker NVIDIA on Tuesday ahead of the Senate vote that would boost the domestic chip manufacturing industry. Sold 25,000 shares for roughly $4.1 million and took a loss of 341000 I said 360, 341. The sale comes a month after a June 17th filing revealed Pelosi exercised call options to buy 20,000 NVIDIA shares, purchasing the options as well as 5,000 shares outright last summer. The couple faced intense scrutiny over the stock purchase, but Pelosi spokesman Drew Hamill reiterated in a statement to The Hill that the speaker's husband bought options to buy the stock in this company more than a year ago. So what? You you didn't think that was going to happen? He added, as always, he does not discuss these matters with the speaker. They're married. 
uh, frankly, uh, what your spouse does is a reflection on what you do. Unusual Whales, a platform for retail tooling and options, equities, and crypto markets, noticed something unusual about their efforts to be transparent. Speaking about that observation, Jesse, Jesse Waters said last night, it was the first time the Pelosi's had both filed and revealed the transactions on the same day, two days before the vote and the bill being passed. The House voted on the CHIPS Act today. I'm sure that it had nothing to do with the Pelosi's unprecedented act of transparency, but we know what happened. Nancy and Pauly P realized the block was a little too hot, and if they didn't unload that stock before the bill passed, they were going to be in a heap of trouble. The legislation which passed the House and the Senate has been sent to Biden's desk. Um, by the way, the uh, former Fed chair, chair um, has come out and said, uh, Richard Fisher said on NBC Squawk Box, I'm sorry to see that Paul Pelosi and Nancy Pelosi and others appear to have taken advantage of inside information. Something needs to be done. Now, I'm not sure that this guy, Richard Fisher, is any great conservative that wants to see Nancy and Paul Pelosi go down. I think when he says something needs to be done, I think he's talking about legislation. But there is already legislation on the books. It is already wrong for Nancy Pelosi to do what she has done. And there have been plenty of others that have gone to jail. In fact, there was uh, who was the uh, Republican congressman who uh, owned some stock in a pharmaceutical company? And he had uh, found out, somehow had inside information that certain tests that the pharmaceutical company was hoping would uh, pass the uh, FDA didn't. And he contacted his son to tell his son to sell his shares in this company. And uh, the, the congressman ended up going to jail. He had to resign, but he ended up going to jail. And that was to his son. This is husband and wife. (laughs) <laughs> double standard you think so yeah, i know so stay with us we got to take another time out we get back uh stacy abrams now wants to be pro-police don't think so we'll tell you why when we get back here is today's secret message i could tell today's message was really important ready your decoder rings aha b the first letter is b u i it was getting easier now l d build build what what was it the fate of the country may hang in the balance decode the day's news build back better a crummy socialist bill with tom and benny on talk 96.3 and 103.7 So Stacey Abrams wants to come across as pro-police as she's running for the governor of Georgia, and uh, it's blowing up in her face. She's actually put an ad out, and the narrator of the ad, they want you to think this guy's a sheriff's deputy, a local sheriff's deputy. His name is Dennis Collard. Now, he did serve as a police officer in Florida from 1994 to 1999, over 20 years ago. Uh, nearly 25 years ago at this point. And um, so he he was there for five years as a police officer, but he's never been a deputy sheriff. And yet he comes out on this ad for Stacey Abrams 
and says, as a former deputy sheriff, I've seen all kinds of gun crimes. I can tell you Brian, Brian Kemp's new gun law is dangerous. It makes it easier for criminals to carry loaded guns in public. And, and basically, it's a uh, new concealed carry law that uh, the governor has signed down there. And he is talking against it. He's trying to give you the impression that if this goes through, that the bad guys will be carrying guns all the time. The bad guys carry guns already. <laughs> Go up to Chicago, the most stringent gun laws in the nation. And the bad guys have guns and they're shooting each other every day. Stacey Abrams is trying to come across as pro-police because she knows she's got to have the police on her side to win. And uh, guess what? The police aren't buying it. All kinds of police organizations in Georgia who are saying no to Stacey Abrams. Then They know exactly what she stands for. The Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine is recommending gender-neutral terminology for U.S. hospitals to use when discussing lactation. <laughs> this is unbelievable. So the new terms, chest feeding, human milk feeding, feeding um, parents' milk, human milk, and even father's milk. But guess what you don't find in their uh, terminology that is acceptable use? You do not find the term mother's milk. Hmm. Father's milk? Yeah. Good luck with that. This is all wrong. (laughs) It is. Hey, listen, have a great weekend. We'll do it again on Monday afternoon at 5. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right.